0: Campisi is a professor of biogerontology at the Buck Institute for Research on Aging. She is co-editor-in-chief of the Aging Journal and founder of the pharmaceutical company Unity Biotech. Professor Campisi is widely recognized for her work on senescent cells and their influence on many manifestations of aging. Her laboratory discovered senescent-associated secretory phenotype and also discovered the first non-invasive biomarkers to verify the efficacy of senolytics. And with that, let me start the interview. Professor Gambisi, you're a pioneer in the field of cellular senescence, including uh, discovering SASP and recently discovered a new non-invasive biomarker for uh, seno- sen- senolysis. right? So you currently run a lab at the Buck Institute where you study aging and focus on cellular senescence. It's an honor to have you on our channel and welcome to Modern Healthspan and thank you for joining us today.
1: My pleasure.
0: Thank you so much. So you, what got you interested in aging? Can I ask that? And you were, as, you know, as I said, you're one of the pioneers of um, senescent cells. So what led you to particularly focus on senescence within that kind of area?
1: Um, my training, well, my, my graduate training was actually in, in biochemistry and biophysics. Mm. And I wanted to do something more cell biological as a postdoc. So very common when you get a PhD, you spent three or four years in a lab um, learning new, new fields. And I chose cancer research because it was very important uh, field and it was beginning to open up. We were beginning to understand cancer. Mm. So I did my postdoc in a lab, a lab of a very famous um, cancer research researcher in Boston at the Dana-Farber Cancer Institute. And when I started my own lab, I continued in cancer research. But it was tough because the big item in cancer were oncogenes. How do oncogenes drive cancer? What causes cancer? What makes cancer cells, cancers. And there were so many good labs working on that. I realized I needed to take a slightly different approach in order to be successful as a young investigator with, you know, hardly any uh, credentials and money. And so I began studying a different aspect of cancer, which is why don't we get cancer more often than we do? If you think about it, Cancer is very rare in young people. It's always a tragedy when you see a child with cancer, but it's extremely rare. But after the age of 50 or 60 in humans, it's not so rare. It's actually almost common. And so the question then is why don't we get cancer more often than we do it? I began studying this idea that there are genes that code for proteins. That suppress cancer. This was not a novel idea. Other people had proposed that. In fact, the wife of the famous biologist that I studied under, his name was Arthur Pardee. Her name was Ruth Sager, and she actually wrote um, an article which said, cellular senescence is an anti-cancer mechanism, tumor suppressive mechanism. And I thought, okay, I should study this because it's less popular and I have a chance of making progress. And the more I began to study it, the more I began going back to the old, old literature which said, maybe this has something to do with aging. I didn't believe it at first. I thought this was nonsense. But the more we studied it, the more we became convinced it's probably true, it's both. It suppresses cancer, but it also can drive aging. And so my lab eventually morphed into a lab from studying cancer to studying aging. And now we study both, actually.
0: Right. Okay. Yeah, no, that makes sense. So in terms of aging, um, why, why do you think we age? I mean, I guess mechanistically, do you think it's an accumulation of damage or it's a programmed... Event.
1: Yeah. So let me let me take another aspect of mm. biology to explain why we age. And this again is not my idea. This is an idea that was put forth in the 1950s. And the idea is this. For 99% of our human beings, our evolutionary history, there was no aging. Mm. There was no cancer, no macular degeneration, no neurodegeneration, no osteoarthritis, nothing. Why? Most people were dead by the age of 40. So there was no aging. There was no survivors on which evolution could act to suppress age-related diseases. And that's still mostly the case. So an evolutionary biologist would say, aging is a consequence of the declining force of natural selection with age. The older you are, you have less progeny, evolution can't happen. So we're aging really because we've escaped evolutionary pressure. And I think that's still true. I think that's still a valuable way of thinking about why we age. Now, the question then is what can we do with you know, can we do anything about it? Mm. And you know, as an, as a mechanistic biologist. The answer is, I hope so. And my hope is that the more we understand about why we age, the more we'll be able to develop rational interventions. Now, will that make us live longer? Probably not, but it may make us live healthy. If you think about humankind right now in the developed world, of course, in the developed world, most human beings spend the last many years of their life disabled and either mentally disabled or physically disabled or both. It's extremely expensive. It's emotionally draining on the patient but also on the families and it's costly. And so the idea is we maybe think we should maybe think about aging and think about extending health span. So that the last years of life are not spent being disabled and being miserable, being productive, being productive members of society, and I think that's the goal of modern aging research. It certainly is the goal of my lab. We we have done experiments to try different things to extend the lifespan of mice. I mean, ten percent, maybe. but, you know, a mouse lives three years. No one has made a mouse that even lives five years. I mean, we just can't do it. It's because evolution has put into place many breaks on lifespan. And we're not even close to being able to understand those breaks or interfere with them. But health span, we are now in understanding senescence and these drugs called senolytics. We're we're getting close to where we think that we might be able to control health span as opposed to lifespan. You, you probably uh, have heard of a famous um, person named Thurgood Marshall. He was the first black Supreme Court justice in the United States. This was in the 1960s. And at some point, someone had the nerve to ask him how long he plans to live because it's a lifetime appointment, right? Oh my God, huh. black man in our courts. How long <laughs> and his reply is so beautiful. He said, I plan to die at 110 from a bullet move. Well, this is America, of course, right? From a, <laughs> yeah. from a jealous husband. And It kind of encompasses, I think, what the hope is for modern aging research. Is to die when you are vibrant and healthy, um, and to die quickly and catastrophically, but not to have the last ten years of your life being disabled and and non functioning.
0: Right. Yes. No. That sounds a good way to go. So the so would you consider like senescent cells seem to fit into that that model, right? I mean, yes. they're u- useful when you're young, but maybe not so when you get older.
1: Exactly. So, what they do when you're young is they act so a senescent cell stops dividing. And if you think about it, a cell that cannot divide cannot form a tumor. So, it is a pretty effective way of suppressing the development of cancer as you accumulate stresses, damage, as you say, but also just mistakes that cells make occasionally put stress on the cells. Mm. The stress is severe it's better to have that cell unable to divide. So you now have mostly healthy cells that are dividing and the stress cell cannot divide. It's pretty good at suppressing cancer for some period of time. The problem is that as time goes on, these cells slowly begin to accumulate. And at some point, they accumulate to a level where they begin to affect healthy cells that are nearby. And that is the driving force behind why senescent cells might promote aging later in life. Early in life, prevents cancer. Later in life, we're pretty convinced from mouse models and um, experiments with human cells and tissues, not intact humans yet, um, it's pretty clear that senescent cells can drive a number of the pathologies we associate with aging. Mm. So now the question is, what do we do about this? Um, we don't want to eliminate senescent cells when you are young. There are people and mice who have mutations where the cells do not senesce or do not senesce properly. And those organisms, humans and mice, they die in early death due to cancer. You don't want to prevent senescence. You want it to happen. But what we'd love to do is, as the cells accumulate, get them to go away. Get them to just die. And that's the principle behind this new class of drugs that are called senolytics. The idea is to devise drugs that will kill a senescent cell, but not the normal non-senescent cell that is sitting next to it. And that's the hope, that's where the field is going right now.